We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Pacers Point Guard Chronicles here on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me today is my good friend, Rowan Cotty. He covers the Bucks from behind the Buck Pass. And he's going to talk to us today about the possibilities of the Pacers signing either George Hill or Malcolm Brogdon this offseason. We know a lot about George Hill being part of the Pacers organization, so we spend most of our time talking about Malcolm Brogdon. And with the Bucks having a lot of free agents, I think you'll be surprised what Rowan thinks the chances are of the Pacers signing Brogdon. Here's Rowan Cotty. Joining me right now on Setting the Pace is my good friend Rowan Cotty from Behind the Buck Pass. Rowan, what's going on, man? Not much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, man. So we are here to talk about two point guards that have been playing really well uh, this season and then this postseason, uh, more so for George Hill. But throughout the regular season, Malcolm Brogdon was such a bright spot for this Bucks team. So uh, we're first going to talk a little bit about George Hill. I know you Pacer fans are very familiar with George Hill played here for about four or five years. I can't remember how long it was, but for a good amount of time during our Eastern Conference final run against LeBron James and the Miami Heat. So, Rowan, let me ask you this to start things off. When the Bucks traded for George Hill, what was your initial reaction? Uh, my initial reaction was, eh, okay. It's not, it was, the trade was mainly for uh, salary cap purposes. So, you know, they can get George Hill's uh, serviceable player. You know, it's fine. Point guard depth is great. Uh, I didn't really think much of it. And then all of a sudden, there started to be a bunch of injuries happening. Like, there was... Uh, Bledsoe was in and out for a little stretch there. Brogdon obviously got injured. Tony Snow was injured. Dante DiVincenzo got injured. Just we we were thin with guards. So then George Hill really took on a massive role. And as the season sort of went on, and especially towards like the latter two months or so of the season, he really took off. He came. He had a 
he had a groin strain and after he returned from that he was he's just been he's been irreplaceable off the bench yeah well let me talk to you about his role as a bench player because i do think if the pacers were to bring george hill back that would be the role they would probably have him as they would not want to start him i would not assume because i don't think at this point in his career george hill is an everyday starter in the nba but off the bench uh, I really watched him a lot more in the Celtics series than I did the Pistons series, and he was absolutely phenomenal. And in my opinion, when Bledsoe was having bad games, you kind of like it got overlooked because George Hill had such a solid game off the bench multiple times. So, what has been the difference between George Hill coming off the bench this year and I guess you could say the last couple of years when he struggled, uh, just trying to find find his game? I think it's I think it's a lot to do with fit. Like when he was with Indiana, he was he had a solid you know it was like Indiana's his place. It's like yeah, I don't really need to go into that because Pacers fans know this, but um, it was his place. And then he sort of uh, bounced around a little, went to Sacramento, Cleveland, and then he never really found his footing over there. I mean, how could you? That was back before the Kings were like a fun team, <laughs> and then the Cavs last year were just a train wreck. I mean, they still went to the finals, but just like you know, they it wasn't it wasn't a great situation. And then he found himself traded to the Bucks, and he just sort of uh, found found his own self again because he he started with the Spurs, and Mike Budenholzer was an assistant there. So just the familiarity of that system sort of uh, probably just um, let him let him rediscovered uh, the good version of George Hill. Right, right, and that's exactly what we've been seeing recently because it's just been it's been really fun to see this resurgence from him because he is a very talented player. He's a combo guard, long enough to guard, uh, you know, pretty much one through three now in today's NBA. Uh, more probably better fit as guarding ones and twos, but you know, this is this is something that's interesting to me. And so, looking at the contract, I just want to make sure I'm right. Next year is a team option. Is that correct? Uh, it's it's essentially it, it's a partial guarantee. There's only um, I want to say three point four million of the eighteen million guaranteed. Okay, because so I, I thought I thought of it somewhere it was actually only one million. It's uh, I'm not sure. It's three. It's it's a very low number. It's essentially like it's a there's a little going to be a little bit of a cap hit, but it's almost guaranteed that he's going to be waived. Mm-hmm. So you do believe he will not get repicked up by the Bucks? I mean, he could, but it's just not under that contract. Eighteen million is just way too much, especially with all the other free agents that the Bucks have. Yeah. It's uh, they if they really wanted to, they could see if he wanted to come back on a smaller deal. Like there is a chance. He seems like he's really, um, he seems like he finds Milwaukee to be a good fit. But if he wants to get more money elsewhere, because he is, you know, in the like tail end of his career, uh, he will almost most certainly be a free agent this summer. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, what would you say the price range would be for George Hill this summer? I mean, if he's coming off as a backup player that's playing really well, possible sixth, seventh man for a team in the playoffs, how much would you offer? Uh, the thing is, like, he's made, like, what is it? He's made around $84 million in his career. So he's it's not like anyone's going to give him, like, I feel like $10 million a year is, is going to be too much, especially in this sort of uh cap environment i'd say maybe like six six okay. or seven yeah similar to like doug mcdermott who got 7.3 yeah 
yeah, this year. Yeah, probably around that range. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because I think that he would be a really solid backup, and especially next to Aaron Holiday, uh, someone that can, you know, really – I think their defense would be really fun to watch, and I think George Hill has shown numerous times that he wanted to come back here, even after we traded him to Utah. Before he signed with the Kings, he wanted to come back here, but obviously Indiana could not match the $20 million that the Kings offered him <laughs> a couple years ago. So it just just a little bit ludicrous of a contract offer right there by the Kings, but hey, that's Sacramento. What do you expect? But moving forward, there's another guy that's really interesting. He just came back uh, for Game 5, had plantar fasciitis, and that's something that I've actually experienced myself, and that is extremely painful. It takes plenty of time to get through it, and I'm sure as a pro athlete, he's probably put more wear and tear on his feet. Malcolm Brogdon had a fantastic season, 50% from the field, 40% from the three-point line and 90% from the free-throw line. Just a really consistent shooter. Malcolm Brogdon, tell me this story, man. Uh, see, original, like in his first like year, year and a half with the Bucks, he was essentially, he had uh, he had more uh, control over the offense. Like he had the ball in his hands more. He was more of a classic point guard. Uh, he He's shown great ability to pass. He's such a smart player. Um he knows how to find cutters. He knows he just knows how to run an offense well. And but, however, like this past season uh, under Mike Budenholzer, uh, he sort of he made the full time transition into the two guard role uh, with Bledsoe playing the point. So uh, he completely transformed his game. Well, not completely, but he made major adjustments in the sense that he became much more of a uh, much more of a slasher, much more of a cutter. He uh, drives to the rim so well. It was every time he got going towards the rim, you're you're thinking that it's going to go in because he was just so proficient at it. But and he's a great th- spot up three point shooter. He's not as good off the dribble, but he can do it. He's just he's an overall great player and what you want out of a guard spot. And what about his defense? His defense, he's a as I said, he's a smart player, and that means like he's a smart defender as well. Uh-huh. He may not be the quickest, but he is big. He is strong. Uh, so, like a switching style would probably be more uh, comfortable for him uh, in the zone drop scheme that the Bucks sort of ran this year. He had a little bit of trouble trying to fight through screens. He would just die on screens. He would uh, not really get over them well. Uh, but that's tough for anyone to do. Uh, but like he he was not particularly great at it. But uh, he can keep someone in front of him. Mm-hmm. So well, I guess well that's what... yeah, and so from what I'm getting from you, you think that he plays better off the ball than he does being the primary ball handler. Yeah, I uh, see that's tough because in this this past season he's had to play more off the ball, but in previous seasons he's shown that he can play really well on the ball too. So I'd say he's he's probably equally as proficient at both. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I want to look at this Bucks roster as well. You got Nikola Mirotic, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton. And Brogdon, I mean, these are all guys that are free agents next season. How, I mean, how how would you say you prioritize bringing back Brogdon? Like, where is he at on your list of prioritizing him as a must resign? Probably, probably third. Middleton is the uh, obvious number one because uh, he, you know, first time All Star. He's just a great fit next to Giannis. Um, great playoff performer. He's just what you want. Uh, so he's priority number one this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably number two, I would say, is Brooke Lopez because he has found such a nice role here. He maximizes Giannis in the sense that he takes the centers away, 
but uh, like on offense, he takes them out to the three-point line, and he can also hold his own down on the defensive end. He was one of the premier shot blockers this year, and he can keep big bodies in front of him. He's not going to get bullied around the rim like like most stretch fives do. Um, it's he's just he's a great fit next mm-hmm. to Giannis. So that means that Brogdon needs to be third on your list. Um, what what's the price range you guys are thinking about there? I mean, I know you probably don't know exactly what the Bucks are thinking, but in your estimation, how much is too much for Brogdon as far as the Bucks go? Uh, definitely not over twenty million. Well, um, yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say probably around like the fifteen, seventeen range is where I'd stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you that's kind of interesting because I think that's what he probably will be valued as, maybe around the fifteen million, uh, especially with Indiana because I'm not sure exactly how he would fit next to Oladipo. Um, I would love to get your thoughts on that, but um, we do know that, like you said, he's just really, really elevated his game every single year, and I just the, the price is so difficult because there's a lot of point guards out there as well. Yeah, uh, next to Oladipo, I think he would be. Uh... He, I think he would be a good fit because he doesn't. He he's not going to be exposed on the defensive end, which you would be worried about. Um, but he's not. He's going to be able to hold his own, which could sort of maybe take a little bit of pressure off of him on the uh, off of Oladipo on the defensive end. And uh, offensively, as I was saying, he can. He's capable of playing off ball, on ball. So he can whether he's on ball, he can run an offense. Off ball, he can get. Um, get himself in spot-up situations, drive to the rim really easily. Um, he's, I, th- I, don't, I think he would be a solid fit next to Oladipo. And another thing about the price, the, one, of the, one of the things that may bring his price down is his injury history. Mm-hmm. So, like, as you were saying, he had the plantar fascia tear. That's, uh, he just came back from this season. He only played 64 games. Last season, he had an injury that only limited him to 48 games, and he came back for the playoffs. So he's had two straight seasons out of three where he's had late-season injuries, and you worry about that for a guy who's already sort of not the quickest guy, not the most laterally quick guy. Mm-hmm. That, that, that definitely is a concern, and... I, I have to ask you this because he seems really like he just loves Milwaukee from what I've seen. Feels like he's just a really good fit with this team. Do you think that the team will try to get a deal done with him before he hits you know, the market and maybe get him on a cheaper contract than he might get somewhere else just because he likes the fit here? Yeah, there's always a chance. I think um, you know there's always the behind-the-scenes dealing going on. Uh, like I think Middleton is almost a lock to come back. Like uh, Bucks general manager John Horst has said they want him back. Chris Middleton said he wants to come back. So that seems like almost like it's a done deal. Um, Brooke Lopez, who I said was second on my list, I'm not entirely sure, but he seems um, he seems like he's found a good role here, and he's already made like a massive amount of money in his career. Like he only took a qualifying offer this year, mm-hmm. um, so he he might not need like to haggle for negotiations so there's there's a chance but he is a little bit lower on the totem pole so there there is a chance that he could hit the market and because he will be a great fit anywhere right now if you're looking at other teams that have cap space this summer where do you think brogdon would prioritize going to uh, if it weren't for milwaukee so let's let's say that like, we power rank some of these other teams that have cap space so you got Brooklyn, New York, Dallas, both L.A. teams, uh, Indiana as well. 
Um, I can't really think of any other off the top of my head, but those are the main teams that have quite a bit of cap space. So um, how would you power rank where Brogdon would go? Would it be based on the price of the contract or based on fit? I think uh, the thing with him, he's such a he's such a competitor. He wants to win. So I think maybe Sacramento, uh, even though they did a little bit of winning there, I'd say they're a little lower. Uh, Indiana would probably be high. Uh, the LA teams, I don't really see it working out because he's more of a he's more of a small town type of guy, which is why I think Indiana would be is one is it's either probably going to be between Indiana and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Dallas? I mean, because I know they want. I know that they're really high on Kimba, uh, and they're actually really high on Chris Middleton as well. Next to Luca and next to Kristaps, you think that'd be a nice fit? Uh, I'm not really sure how well how that fit would be. Uh, let's see. If he's next, to, I, th- I mean, it's if you're putting shooting around Luca, you're. It's like you're gonna do it, and he's one of the best. He's a really good three point shooter. He's really uh, mid range shooter, even though you don't really want him to shoot. But from the mid range, <laughs> he's really great at the rim. He's just he's just he can score from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he would he would obviously be a good fit next to Luca. But I think maybe Dallas wants to they want to get some bigger fish, which is why they want to go after like Kemba and Chris Middleton. Well, that's what Dallas always wants to do, but they never get it. So I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's why they had to trade for Kristaps, because they can't sign free agents. Yeah. So, I don't know. They they haven't seemed like they're going to change, so why is it going to happen this summer? Yeah. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. Well, just to kind of break some of these numbers down a little bit, I don't have a stat sheet in front of me, and I haven't really looked up Brogdon's stats. I just know that he was part of the 50-40-90 club. How many three-pointers was he taking a game? I know Coach Bud loves to shoot threes because we saw, you know, not this year, but last year, Darren Collison as a Pacers starting point guard was in that club as well or very close to it. I think he was part of it. Um, but, yeah, he he didn't shoot very many three-pointers, though, so that's where I'm kind of curious. What kind of numbers of attempts are we seeing here from uh, He was shooting around four a game. So okay. you would think that's a little less for a shooter like him, but he, like, as I was saying, he's a smart player, so he only shoots the shots that like he knows are good shots. He's not going to take like off the dribble threes when he doesn't have to. If he's if he sees the defender closing out on him, he's not going to uh, take a contested three. He's going to immediately pump fake and drive to the rim. So I think he could see his role a little exp- like he could get more three point opportunities because he was a little bit lower on the totem pole. Um, for the Bucks offense this year, like there was Gian- Giannis is obviously number one. Then there's Middleton. Then there's Bledsoe. So he was all like Im- at minimum fourth. Yeah, so probably not- fifth really with Lopez out there too. Yeah, so he's not really getting many shots, uh, but what he was getting, he was doing it very efficiently. That's interesting. I know. I know. There's quite a few Indiana Pacer fans that are intrigued by. Um, Brogdon, and I think that that'd be somebody I'd be intrigued by. I don't think he's the sexy name like Kemba Walker, uh, you know, trading for Mike Conley or Drew Holiday, but I do think that he would be a really good fit. And another player that I want to talk to you about, not a lot, but uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, I just want to get your thoughts comparing those two. If you're Indiana, who would you rather have as your point guard, uh, D'Angelo Russell or Malcolm Brogdon, because they're both restricted free agents? Uh, this is the classic uh, ceiling versus floor debate. So D'Angelo Russell is going to give you a high ceiling, um, but Malcolm Brogdon is going to give you a high floor. If you're, um, 
like with D'Angelo Russell, we saw this postseason that he relies a lot on mid-range floaters, uh, which is kind of weird. But this season he was making them, so you know you're not going to complain. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, and it was his first trip to the playoffs, so you can't really fault him for not performing as well. But you can see that there are some flaws to his game, but he does have that star potential. Uh, but with Brogdon, you don't really get that star potential, but you do get the consistent play, the consistent good play. Mm-hmm. What about the off-court stuff? The off-court stuff, uh, Malcolm Brogdon's going to be a great addition to any community. He does so much stuff in the Milwaukee area. He's, uh, he cares for the people. Um, so you're not going to really run into off-court issues. You're going to like if he leaves the Bucks, you're going to be sad, like from the community aspect of he's leaving. Mm-hmm. But with Russell, we uh, we we've seen some things <laughs> with Russell. <laughs> uh, but you know he's he's a young guy. He'll grow up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, my man, this has been a lot of fun. Best of luck to your Bucks in the playoffs as they go into the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I'm sure this will air next Tuesday, so if you're already playing by that point, uh, the series might have already started, but we recorded this Thursday around 5.30 on May 9th. So, uh, Rowan, I want to thank you once again for coming on Setting the Pace, and go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at R-K-A-T-T-I-J-R and make sure you read all mine and the other team stuff at BehindTheBuckPass.com. Awesome, man. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Alrighty, guys. That does it for another episode here of the Point Guard Chronicles on PacersTalk.net. Tomorrow on Wednesday, we'll be talking about Patrick Beverly with my man Robert Flom who covers the Clippers for Clips Nation SBN. So make sure you guys tune into that one. Rest of the lineup this week, I believe we have Drew Holiday, either Thursday or Friday, and Ricky Rubio this week. So hope you guys stay tuned. But tomorrow, Patrick Beverly with Robert Flom. And until then, we'll talk to you later, Pacer Nation. Peace out.